dream is a wish your heart makes. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since Dan Rather was still a respected journalist, now guides on your nostalgic tour of Disney history, one magical film at a time. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, we promise to be brave, truthful, and unselfish as we review Pinocchio. So fasten that safety restraint and pull up on the yellow strap. It's time to open the vault. Cue that disney sound effect. Okay, here we are with Pinocchio, the second animated film in uh, the history of Walt Disney animation. Uh, I think the first thing that I thought was really interesting was this was not intended to be the second release. Right, yeah. Um, the, the second release, what Walt Disney wanted to do next was Bambi, um, but it proved to be very difficult to animate uh, real animals to kind of make that animation a little really more difficult make, <laughs> to make them realistic yeah, just, and not and not spaghetti <laughs> just a little bit um and so that uh got delayed and so pinocchio got pushed up to be uh, a little bit further uh another european fairy tale but this time we're not with the brothers grim and their creepy stories that fill kids with tons of nightmares uh, but now we come to an Italian kids' fairy tale that from might, 1883. That might still give kids nightmares, depending on your on how For you sure. read the stories. Well, and I think what uh, pr- probably the defining factor that just kind of switches between Snow White to Pinocchio is Snow White is a short story. Uh, it is a short kids' yep. fairy tale, and Pinocchio by I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt this. I, I don't speak Italian, but we go. Carlo Coyoli. That's my Spanish pronunciation. Oh, I would have done Italian a very American Coyote. version of that. I would have done Colodi. Carlo Colodi. <laughs> the double L is typically a yes sounds in Latin well, languages. Go. So I'm, I'm assuming um, it was actually a full novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio. And I guess I'll lead there. Uh, I would say that this has a much stronger overall story arc than what we found in Snow White. Like Snow White, definitely at moments, you kind of feel it getting stretched out a bit. Like they're filling in some holes. We talked about that in last week's episode of the of the dwarfs and uh, just kind of having to build out those characters a lot more than what you found in the source material here. You feel Disney actually having to do the opposite, which is like pair back the source material mm-hmm. and give you uh, their version of Pinocchio, which is going to start being more of a trend, you know, something that we're going to see in some of the upcoming stories. So I did, I did my homework on this one and I, I did not go read the original book because it is a longer longer book it is not a short story uh it was actually a serialized originally and originally uh in this like children's newspaper it was like these short little stories highlights. over and over again like highlights. the italian yeah. highlights italian highlights in eight in the 18 1880 81 whatever that equivalent would have been highlights is probably a good yeah. call but i so i went back and i just found a wikipedia articles and and Smithsonian and some other articles about uh, those stories just to get a sense for it. And like the question always is whenever it's an adaptation, how close to the original is it? And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of the weird stuff that's in Pinocchio did also happen in those original series, but slightly different. Uh, The biggest difference overall that they made is the Pinocchio that we get in this is a lot kinder, nicer, neater, like heartfelt version compared to that. Mm-hmm. He's like an unro. He's an he's a punk kid. Geppetto makes his foot and he immediately kicks him with it. 
Then he teaches him to walk and he runs away and gets Geppetto arrested. Like it just goes <laughs> deeper and deeper and deeper. So Jiminy Cricket, he doesn't have the name Jiminy in it, uh, which I found also yeah. is kind of a um, a slang for kind of a curse word, like yelling Jesus at Jesus yeah. C. Like, like that's kind of what that means. But anyways, um, so the cricket, it just calls him the cricket comes in and says, hey, you need to be obedient or else bad things are going to happen. And he kills the cricket accidentally. He kills him. He dies in that first moment they meet. And then no! the ghost the ghost of the cricket follows him throughout this thing, popping up here and there. It's super like grotesque to some degree. <laughs> but it goes on and on and on. The cat and the fox, they trick him. They, they, they rob him. Then they hang him, but he doesn't die. Then they convince him to plant gold coins in a field of miracles, and then they steal it and dig it up. He's attacked by a snake, falls over, and makes the and falls over so weird that the snake starts laughing so hard it dies. It's then it, it it's just like and then there's the 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 getting drowned or drowning in and uh, getting in the whale, and you've got their time in Toyland, which is five months, not like. I always wondered watching it, how long is this time? Uh, and then he saves Geppetto and then he comes back. He does go to school eventually, which we never see in the, in this story, but I just, I love going back and seeing, okay, how close did they come to the source material? And this one, like you said, it's a perfect way to put it. Like they had to pare down that source material. Cause it's actually crazier than what we got in this movie. So, so here's my question. Okay. Um, so the, the, the story as I know it is that during the production on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the lead animator for, for the, for the evil queen who becomes the old hag, uh, is a guy by the name of Norman Ferguson. No relation as far as I know. You looked it up, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't have time to run a full ancestry background. <laughs> we'll do that after this. I'll call my grandma. Grandma, sure. do we know? No. Um, he brings a translation of the novel to Walt Disney and is like, we've got to do this. And the quote is, Walt was busting his guts with enthusiasm to make this. So that's the story. You've just set the stage of what the original source material is. What do you see in this to go, <laughs> oh, this would make a great kids novel. Like, I feel the same with the Grimm's fairy tales as well. But you kind of like, how do these guys see these things and go, oh, that would make a really great kids cartoon? It's whatever the same sentiment or feeling there is. To the fact that they actually made this movie that at times made me uncomfortable as a grown adult. Now, maybe I'm just projecting yeah, yeah. what I was feeling as a, as a kid watching this and kind of being very scared by all of the pleasure, all the, the pleasure land, pleasure island and the donkeys that are screaming their mom's name as they're being thrown in a pen and sold to the zoo and stuff like that. Like, I. I genuinely have uh, mixed <laughs> feelings about this movie. And part of it is because of that, because of like the taste of what they thought was a kid's, what was kid's material versus, versus what my own sentiment sentiment is. So when you're saying, what were they thinking, reading this create these crazy stories and saying, this would be a great children. It's probably the same ideas that they're like, yeah, let's still, let's still keep in the whole kids turning into donkeys after having a drunken night of smoking of cigars, drunk like <laughs> vandalism and all the other things that were happening yeah. uh, on pleasure Island. It just, it, it just, it, yeah, it just is. It's hard to unseat that from some of the better moments from this for me. And I know we'll get more to the review in a little bit, but that's, that's my take. Yeah. But I would say so to, uh, to their credit, I, I do see this story overall as more of an allegory, right? Like it yeah. is, I don't think it's, um, it's true intention is to be um, a, a more, you know, realistic story. It is obviously allegorical, 
Yeah. I mean, you, you, you start with the blue fairy saying, you know, you need to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Yep. Which I think, okay, just kind of stepping back a little bit, like if we're talking like morals and in general, like morals and values that you would want to instill in a young boy to grow up to be, you know, course, a, yeah. a, a, a good man, you would say like, hey, I want you to be brave. I want you to be truthful. And I, I, I want you to be unselfish. And you see that in each of the episodes, like each of the little three ven- story beats. I don't yeah. know how. No, how that's, you right, that's right. That's right. Because they're not full acts, but he's learning to be brave, truthful and unselfish. And, and each of those has to. He has these two lessons of of, you know, learning the the opposite of of feeling what are the consequences of being. um yeah, uh, of being the opposite of each of those values. And then in the end, learns it and learns it in a way to save his own father's life. Yep. It's crazy. And in the moment, you're like, but I think its intended purpose is to scare the pajeebers out of little boys, right? Like that is, <laughs> that is kind of the point. Like, let's freak these little, you know, these little <laughs> American boys out. To like, hey, you better step up and, you know, be good or this is, you know, you're going to be turned into a donkey. Do you want to be turned into a donkey? That's what happens if you smoke or drink. Well, you know, everybody needed a, was a little too happy when they were making this because, you know, we just had a little thing called World War II that had just started like months just before. Broke out. <laughs> just broken out like six months bef- beforehand. So, you know, we were all a little, little too callous coming out of the it's- depression and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> It's still ramping up like, I mean, well, you think about the context. Yes. So, you know, the U.S. is still solidly in the Great Depression uh, when this is being worked on. I mean, it came out in 1940. Am I correct? Yep. So, I mean, you don't really have the outbreak, the like the beginnings of the outbreak of World War Two until 38, 39. I think the first invasion in Europe was 38. And then the U.S. is not attacked until 41. So we're we're kind of in this ramp up towards that. Um, and yeah, that was the time. The time was tales to teach morals. Um, and so it, it kind of makes sense that this. Yep. That this was picked, you know, that this was chosen uh, and, and all of that. But what was interesting is that this was not a huge success when it first came out. No, it, the the they had have really high hopes that it would actually exceed what Snow White was was doing, and that they wanted to. They were promising their their employees, "Hey, we're going to give you extra bonuses once we recoup all of this money that we got from from making this film, which they invested." Uh, it still made a lot, but it didn't make nearly what Snow White was doing, and some of the um, the reasons that they said at the time, one of which was. There was a lot of focus on World War II, even if it wasn't us involved in it. It was the news, the news, and the headlines of the sure. day at the time. It was consumed. Uh, yeah. Then it was also competing with Gone with the Wind, which was a massive, massive, massive. movie to come out just weeks beforehand. Um, then you've also got like just how much our kid. It, it's a more kid-focused film, uh, so you've got less adults that are as intrigued by it. Um, so you, but then you've also got some people maybe like me that were like, I don't know if I want my kid going to see, to see this. Uh, so I think all of those things combined kind of hampered it at the box office when it actually did, uh, finally come out. But in the long run, uh, you know, it, it has become one of, you know, the, the biggest films in Walt Disney's kind of library, uh, critics love it. Uh, and let's, let's not forget, like, the theme song, like the the song. So I mean, Pinocchio wins best uh, score and best original song at the Oscars. So it wins two uh, two Oscars. Wow! Um, and there's only like a handful of films that have ever done that that have won both score and original song, like the the one two punch. And they're like all Disney movies, of course, like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Um, then uh, it goes on that song is the theme song of the Walt Disney company, right? Like when you wish upon a star still opens 
every Disney movie that we go and see. That is the the, the tune that's played over the castle. Um, so I don't I don't think that this movie has near the the level of kind of impact on the company and the culture as the, the previous two that we've looked at. Uh, but it, it definitely does have a lasting mark on the Walt Disney Company at, at minimum. And I mean, when you wish upon a star, yeah, it's kind of become a, a central uh, idea of the Walt Disney Company. You know, it comes back in like movies like Princess and the Frog. It's the whole idea behind the next movie yeah. that's coming out, Wish. Like the mm-hmm. whole plot is where does the wishing star come from? But do you pair do you still connect when you wish upon a star with pinocchio or with it has it outgrown the the movie to it's now just a part of the icon that's part of the the what you think of when you think of disney because for me it's i don't i don't associate that's a really it really good question i might still associate really it with question. jiminy cricket like that because you think of him singing it but for the most part, I think of that song on its own as its own iconic moment that is connected. And it, it is one of it's like just like the mouse, just like the signature, just like the castle. The the song is Disney to some degree, to me, at least. How about for you, Eddie? I, I think you're totally spot on. I, I think for most people, you know, they hear when I wish upon a star or when you wish upon a star, you know, in the parks or before a movie or anything like that. If you were to go, hey, what Disney movie did that come from? I think they would have to, like your average consumer would have to kind of think a second and and maybe take a few guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, like your hot, diehard Disney fans are going to go, oh yeah, it's Pinocchio. But I don't even think for a diehard Disney fan, like you immediately associate that song with Pinocchio. You associate it more with, it's the theme song of the Walt Disney Company. I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that assessment. Speaking of Jiminy Cricket, uh, one of the cool production stories behind it, uh, r- behind that character is, so the the animator who is famous for m- creating Jiminy Cricket and what they became, and they actually s- uh, stated that eventually the, the, the version of him that they finally landed on was the least version that looked like an actual cricket. And if you they had to if you hadn't said the word I'm a cricket, like you would never know that that's what it actually is. He has nothing else part of him. He's just a little person, just a little person with big eyes and kind of has like a little antenna, maybe, uh, but it could be hair. Um, But so the the animator who created him, he actually had just he had finished up on Snow White and he was handing in his resignation letter like I'm done. I'm ready to move on. Do other things came into Walt's office and he and Walt just started telling him about the story of Pinocchio and all he wanted to do. And he kept on honing in on Jiminy Cricket and all the things he wanted to do with it. And Ward Kimball got so enthused by that meeting that he rescinded his resignation letter and then uh, took over animating. And then he's the one that really landed the final version of Jiminy Cricket. I just thought that was a cool like behind the scenes story leading up to it. Yeah. And I mean, that that character is so... For me, Jiminy Cricket is my favorite character in this. I, uh, um, there, I mean, there's a couple that are like entertaining and cool, but uh, especially in that opening sequence when he's in Geppetto's workshop and he's just kind of like going around with the clocks and just like the, um, I don't know, I, I, I appreciated the the animators, like what they had him do and all the dinner, you know, different interactions. It's definitely taking something so simplistic like a anamorphic cricket, you yeah. know, who is now in a in a toy shop and taking that and really playing with that, really opening that up uh, in a really interesting way that I, I don't know. I just, there's little gags and stuff in there that I, I appreciated quite a lot. Have you seen the latest Puss in Boots movie that just came, that came out in January? I've not even, I've not even seen the original Puss in Boots movie. So you don't have to, you don't have to see the original at all, but if you can go find, I don't know which streaming service it's on or whatever, someone told several people told me, man, this was way better than I thought it was. And I was looking for something to take my son to at the time. Uh, But they have a cricket that is on the shoulder of one of the bad guys. And it's got a very, it's like they took 
Jimmy Cricket's voice mixed it with uh, what's his name from um, It's a Wonderful Life, your favorite, one of your favorite actors of all time, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart, but then like heightened the cliche-ness of it. I, I, you got to check it out, Eddie. And if you're listening to us, listener, and you haven't watched the new Puss in Boots, I think it's the Wishing Star or something like that. Um, check it out because the cricket in there is like goes bananas. He's like trying to be good, and then he just like loses it. I, you are a hopeless case and runs away. Um, <laughs> but no, that that idea of like someone on your shoulder. I'm sure that might have been done before. But he is one of the iconic versions of that. Sometimes we see the angel and the devil on either side um, in that kind of imagery. But then just having your conscience as somebody, uh, that was definitely something that this popularized for sure. Uh, The other thing that this popularized was the idea of taking well-known celebrities of the time and putting them as the voice actors in animated films. Oh, really? That whole phenomenon starts here with Pinocchio. Uh, in the previous two movies, you don't really have, uh, uh, or at least in Snow White, um, you don't have any context, right? Like nobody knows if this is going to be a success. Everything's so experimental, like no celebrity is going to hop in on all this. Snow White is so popular. Others want to be involved in this. And Disney is now thinking like, okay, this is how we can up this. This is how we can kind of you know, take this further. And this is the first time that animated film uses celebrity uh, celebrities as voice actors. Who and Jiminy they? Cricket, Jiminy Cricket is voiced by Cliff Edwards, also known as Ukulele Ike. Uh, this is, you know, something that he's a well-known singer at that time. We, we don't know of him anymore. <laughs> and... Um, you, uh, you mentioned, uh, one of mine, if not my favorite actor of all time, uh, Jimmy Stewart, my favorite Jimmy Stewart movie, top 10 movies, uh, that I love is, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Love, love, love that movie. And the little boy in that movie, uh, the actor by the name of Dickie Jones, he was 11 when he voiced Pinocchio. Wow, deep cut, Eddie. Yeah, so he grabbed a lot of different people. A lot of the other voices and stuff are, are kind of well-known. Uh, Mel Blanc is in this. He's well-known for all of his different um, uh, uh, characters in Looney Tunes from the Warner Brothers studios. He goes on and he voices Gideon the Cat. Um, yeah, I mean, you've just got, this is the beginning of, hey, let's take well-known celebrities and and put them in animated films to which we still see today. Another thing we still see today is remaking these films over and over and over again. <laughs> we talked about it with Snow White. Well, yeah. And and there have been 18 remakes of Pinocchio plus like last week when we talked about Snow White having two of them come out at the same time in 2012. Last year, we had two Pinocchio films come out in the same year, one on Disney Plus with Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks, and then Netflix with Guillermo del Toro, both in the same year. This is just ironic that we're having but, having this this happen. And I but only seen any one of them. of them. I haven't seen but any only of one them. of them. But only one of them was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, we'll let you uh, guess which one. <laughs> guess which one that was. It was not the Disney Plus one. I can pretty much tell you that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have not seen the Guillermo del Toro one. Uh, I'd like to. I've I've heard that it's it's it's. If you can imagine what I mean, just take what you described as the source material, and then put the crazy mind of Guillermo del Toro. Now I'm interested. It. It's just like yeah. Uh, um, yeah, now I am as well. But the the Roberts or Mecca's one, Tom Hanks, um, it's not horrible. <laughs> Ooh, this coming from the from the guy who does not watch remakes as a part of his like moral compass. <laughs> I know if I honestly, if it didn't have Tom Hanks in it, I don't think I would have watched it. I don't think I, I can. I can see that. I, I have no, um, no desire, no desire. Whatsoever. But I think I, I mean, I fell asleep multiple times while we were watching it. Like, it's not it's. Yeah. And when I say it's not horrible, I mean, it's it's not, 
you know, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. Like, those are horrible. But this, it's, you know, it's horrible. It's got like one cool little moment. The remake, all the clocks on the wall in Geppetto's workshop are actually clock representations of all the different Disney animated movies. Oh, that's so kind of cool. Don't, I would not recommend watching the remake at all. I would say like, go grab a clip and watch Geppetto's workshop and just, just to see how they do all the different clocks. Like, like, let's just say you don't have a mom spanking her son as one of the clocks. In I the wanted remake. to, I wanted to spend some time here on the clocks. I was, it, it was like the first time this movie just like pivoted in a hard way where I was like, wait, what? And I, I, I remember this, but it, for just being, I mean, guess older and having whatever. Now it just felt so dramatic. Well, first you get the cutting off of the turkey's head. That's just like the turkey yes. pulling his head out, pulling it back, pulling his head. <laughs> then you just get the drunk guy at the bar just like <laughs> falling out of the clock and then coming back. And then the spanking child where it's just like there's some red stuff that looks like paint could be blood. I don't know. But then just like <laughs> spanking the child over and over again when it strikes uh, nine o'clock. I was like, wow, this went really hard, really fast for no apparent reason. Or Jiminy Cricket hitting on one of the the women mm-hmm. on the clock. Multi- let's just know. say multiple people he hit on in this in this movie. There's multiple yes. different animate inanimate objects that he found very attractive. <laughs> oh my, um, yeah. You, you had mentioned Ward Kimball earlier. I think it's worth noting that um, Ward. And this, this like when when you go from Snow White to Pinocchio is when we start to form what is known as the nine old men. I don't know if you've ever heard of this in the um, kind of the legend that is Disney animation. Uh, Ward Kimball is one of them. You've got Mark Davis, who ends up going off to be uh, one of the very first Imagineers. He uh, is animating on Pinocchio. He's actually the one who came up with Pirates of the Caribbean. We have him mm. to thank for all that. And then guys like Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnston, like these are the the nine that really establish what is uh, animation. You know uh, that the 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 Snow White to Pinocchio journey. I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but just those who rise up to the top between these two movies is what established the nine old men and really establish the legacy of what is uh, uh, an animated film for, for years to come. That's cool. Um, Some just other random things I want to call out in here and kind of talk about. Uh, I enjoyed the song high diddly D an actor's life for me. I'd never just sat and thought about the, the, the lyrics for that. And it's a great song because it is, exactly the uh speaks i don't i know it didn't come from the original uh story that was my first question to actually come from there but just the fact that they're like basically saying you should become an actor because that's the easy life that you that will get you to you don't need school or anything like that just go become an actor you'll make a ton of money you'll it'll be easy and beautiful and fame and fortune and i don't know if that was done tongue in cheek or if they were like kind of like sticking it to their own hollywood or something like that but i so appreciated this song in another way that i hadn't really felt before uh and it also is very ironic watching this now as uh the sag uh strike is still going on and cuz they're saying our life is not as good as <laughs> like you think it is right now and we're not getting not getting the return that we used to get. Right. Uh, so I just like just having the captions on. This is one of the good things about being old and having captions on everything now is you get to see your caption watcher. Oh, a hundred percent. Now we are, I think oh. it, my wife kind of maybe started a, a little bit and now I have it. There's so much, so much dialogue that I just couldn't hear before or didn't like totally catch the nuances of what they were actually saying. And so, so this song I'll send you, I'll send you a couple of articles and like little short documentaries. There's actually a reason that most people like millennials put on captions, like because the mixing now they're mixing more for like, there's two things that happen. Like they're, they're mixing them. um, 
with the dialogue being softer, like they're putting effects and things. There's actually been like a change in mixing. And then the second thing is most streaming sites default to some type of channels or, or, or surround sound that is opposite to what your system is or how you're listening to it. And so like just the settings and stuff are always askew. And so we can't hear dialogue well because of how the streaming service is sending out the, the signal. So it's like not just because <laughs> it's not just because you are old. It's also because of how the, um, the signal is being sent through the streaming services. Yeah. Uh, uh, coming out of that rabbit trail, we uh, I think you hit something really uh, important here that I think is a highlight of this movie. I love all the music. Like every song in this to me is catchy and, and entertaining. Like, could, like there's 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 a reason why this wins best score for uh, um, uh, at the Academy Awards. And also, like, When You Wish Upon a Star wins best song and has gone on to be, like, uh, bigger than the movie itself. For me, each and every song in this just just hits really, really well and is, is done fantastically. I mean, it's hard to top When You Wish Upon a Star. Like, that automatically should put, put all the music. Like, even if the other songs weren't that good, at least you have that song. You you know what's interesting? This movie has a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomato. Wow, very that's kind of crazy. Very intriguing. Yeah, I don't know if that speaks to the movie or how broken Rotten Tomatoes we all <laughs> we know it really is. Well, the the older, older, older ones those are hard to put, especially if it's considered a classic film. It's hard to say. Sure, I'm just now watching this in 2023, and I really don't like this. So I'm going to rate this. I'm going to give this a, a thumbs down. It's just kind of hard. Like yeah. at least when it comes out, you can be like the a few dissenters and stuff. It's just hard to go back when everyone's already made up their mind. Uh, this uh, is uh, well known throughout the Disney uh, company, more so than just uh, its song. It is also uh, in the parks. I'm trying to find here in my notes. Um, Disneyland. Is, is it still open? I know they did. Do they still have Pinocchio's Daring Adventure? I believe so. You're more yes. the Disneyland guy. I, I've, I've been on it before and it scared me half to death. So, yes, I do remember going on it. So, Pinocchio uh, has a ride in both the original Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris. So the those three all have them. And then in Walt Disney World, there is the uh, world famous, one of the best restaurants, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, Pinocchio Village House, which is one of the quick service restaurants there where uh, I can get a gluten free pizza and my wife can get a dairy free pizza. So I have to say every time we go to Walt Disney World, we make a stop by Pinocchio's Village House because it's one of the few places in the world my <laughs> wife can actually get a pizza that won't kill her instantaneously. How long did we walk around Disneyland looking for the gluten-free taco place that you swore somebody had said on a blog was there and we never found? I do have to say that like Disneyland was not very friendly to the to the allergies. I was I was more accustomed to Disney World standards, but we did find one at Pizza Planet. Remember going? We finally went over and found a gluten-free pizza at, at Pizza Planet. Eddie, you were very um, a little sad that after we finished recording, you didn't get to do your plug for all the Snow White uh, importance of the parks. Would you like to take your little stump right here for a few minutes and 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 do that part too for Snow White? Stump for a little Snow for White. Snow White. Yeah, the, and and its importance <sighs> to the parks. Well, I have to say, like, as much as I'm like a Disney movie fan, like I'm also a Disney parks fan, maybe even Shocker. more so Shocker. than move movies. Um, yes. And so when we finished recording Snow White, I was like, oh, wait, we need to have a segment where we talk about if, you know, if the classic films show up in the parks and JB, the, the good friend that he has been all these many decades that he has put up with me, he was like, sure, Eddie, go ahead. You know, you can do this. And so that's. Why I threw in the Pinocchio. Do you want me to interject Go for it. the Snow White stuff? Go for it. I'm, well, I'm, that's what I'm I saying. Mean, Disneyland used to have 
Disneyland used to have Snow White's scary adventure, which is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> like it has more of the the scary hag than than Snow White in it. And I've not seen it, but apparently they just redid the ride out there in Disneyland. Uh, like it's only opened within the past six months to a year or something like that uh, and have made it all better. And then uh, the other honorable mention here is they've got like the most popular ride in Walt Disney World. Uh, The most popular or like high demand ride at Magic Kingdom is actually the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is a pretty sweet coaster mixed with a dark ride. Like there's these really cool dark ride scenes where you're actually in the mines with the dwarfs. That whole scene that we really liked of them like singing the songs and the oh, yeah. the polka music. Like there's a there's a really cool animatronic dark ride scene with all of that. Plus it's a roller coaster that most small kids can ride and the little mine cars swing back and forth and everything. It's actually really, really cool and a lot of fun. So those are my two shout outs to Snow White, but there this I is, digress. This has been Eddie's updates and how it impacts the Park parks Rain. corner. The parks parks corner right here for you, for you for fellow fans. We got it. We got to get that in there. We might even have some episodes coming up that are very dedicated to the parks. <laughs> this is true. As you can tell, I'm a big fan of parks, both national parks and Disney parks. And fictitious and parks like Pawnee. Parks. <laughs> like Pawnee, Indiana. And right, Pawnee. Right. I've got I've got the Pawnee poster right here on my wall. You can't see. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. Yeah. Uh so for me, I, I would yeah. say that uh if we're just talking story-wise on this, my favorite part of this story for sure is 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 the ending of this when um with the climax, the 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 whole path has been a stumble for Pinocchio the entire way through. <laughs> But finally putting the pieces all together in the whale, being the one who, who said, no, let's do the fire to save, save us. Let's, let's, let's keep swimming upstream. Let's just keep swimming, just keep over and over and over again and saving Geppetto. Like, I feel like it, as many wrong turns as he had made this entire story, having that at the very end, I think helped elevate this film uh, there were definitely times where I, it was hard for me to stay connected. I was kind of like, ah, "What is going on? Why are you following the 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 fox and and like why are you going completely against Jiminy Cricket, who's supposed to be your friend? Why is Jiminy not intervening faster and sooner than he is? Um, going to Pleasure Island, the donkey, all the stuff. Uh, but then when he like says, "No, we're gonna go save Geppetto. We're gonna go." dive into the whale's mouth and go go find him i think that that definitely made a huge impact on this film and and really helped it for me at least uh watching it now now again um i think without that that scene i don't i i don't know if i would i like it would have been really hard for me to watch it but that was my own um my own interpretation of of watching this but my own review of this well it, it makes the ending feel earned Right. Like because he has, you know, fallen and stumbled so much all throughout the whole movie. Like it's like finally at the end, like things are clicking and things are coming together. Um, I mean, it's epic, you know, Um, but it's well, hey, there's another park reference that we I I forgot to call out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monstro. He's the you you go through him on the storybook boats. Yeah, there in, in Disneyland. I love that ride. I love that ride. I remember doing that with you guys. Um, yeah, that uh, there's another reference of him. But yeah, that's uh, it's earned. I, I and you have such a great we were talking about this with the the door. Uh, Grumpy was really the only one with a story arc and Snow White. I mean, you see a a titular character the main protagonist actually have a pretty substantial arc to his character here um which is interesting which is uh kind of makes yeah it's got its quirkiness but it's still at the end of the day i think it's a really good movie so we're here to are we i watched it with ready? my kids and do they, they liked it yeah so what i was gonna i watched it with my kids uh sarah was out of town we decided to do uh, Daddy Camp Out, pitched a tent in the living room, you know, air mattress, the whole nine yards. 
and we snuggled up in the tent and we watched this together. And I was a little nervous because I'm like, something new, you know, are they going to go crazy and just want to like, you know, tear down the tent, you know, instead of watch this movie. Uh, And they were enthralled. They loved this movie from start to end. Um, Yeah, they, they absolutely loved it. So are you ready to rate it, Eddie? Yeah, I think uh, it's your turn. <laughs> We're just going to, whose turn is it to be the first under fire I, here and set the tone? <laughs> I went I went first last time, so I am going to let you go this, this time. Okay. Uh, I've been kind of hinting at it throughout. I don't know if I just had PTSD from being a child and being freaked out of my mind by the donkeys or what, but... Uh, <laughs> I did not, I was not excited to watch this film. I think it was redeeming in the end, but not in like a, wow, what a great arc that happened here. It was more like, oh, thank God he did something right. Because otherwise I was going to just be like, this is just a waste of a story. It made Mm -hmm. me so frustrated most of the time through. I Another piece of it as I was just sitting here going, there isn't like a compelling, there's like evil people in this film but there's not like a great antagonist unless you just want to say pinocchio is his own greatest antagonist in this film (laughs) which is super meta for this um but uh like stromboli is there for one segment the cat in the like the the, uh, honest john is there for a little bit and kind of just swindles them twice and then done the coachman is there for one scene you get the whale, but like even the whale, like should we be looking at how aggressive are whales really? Are they actually? Do we, this is like this is another like uh, wolves don't eat, don't this is attack people. Wolves. Is that yeah. is this the new thing? Um, and just a side note, like it's weird that like everyone's amazed at the talking uh, puppet, but they're not amazed at the talking uh, fox and cat. Yes, and they're the yes. only animals in this entire thing that are talking and conversing but that's all they're from the original story anyway sorry so i think i i i still this is a very nostalgia pick for me on this rating because i can i can mentally see yes this this is teaching good things to people and he does have an arc and he does have a, a a moment at the end but my 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 seven or eight or five year old version of me that was so freaked out by the the donkeys is like, but no, <laughs> but no, I I will not be turning this thing back on for a very long time, and for that, I'm giving it an interesting number two. I'm giving it a two. It is interesting. I'm not. I'm it, entertaining. I would not. I would not put that in there. But that's that's for me. I know I'm shocking you right now. But on a rating system one to five, giving it a two. Wow. Interesting. Wow! Wow! Shots fired here, folks. Like when you were talking about like, ooh, who's going to be the first to not not give a five? I'm like, okay, he's going to dip down. Maybe. I thought lowest you would go was a three, but no. Uh, an interesting if we had if we had a different name other than entertaining for three maybe i would have considered it <laughs> but i wouldn't the the part of me is like this was not an entertaining experience that i want to go back through so uh yeah i'm gonna have a very different take here i am gonna give it a classic i'm gonna go four, four. on this one um no, I, 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 for the, the reasons I've stated, I think the music in this is some of the best of any Disney movie. There's a reason why the, the main song in this has become uh, iconic unto itself. Uh, it's got a, a good uh, character arc throughout. I think the ending is well earned. And um, yeah, like I'm compelled by the story. I'm very entertained all the way throughout. Um I don't think it, yeah, it doesn't rise all the way up. I don't think this is essential. I'm not going to, oh, you know, somebody's going to ha- has to see this in order to to be a Disney fan. Um, but yeah, it's still classic for me. I think it holds up uh, as a good story, as good animation, as an entertaining, you know, film all through and through. It's a four. It's classic for me. But JB, a two. Just <laughs> interesting. I'm a hater. Just over interesting. Here. It's a Debbie Downer. 
<laughs> now that we have filled you up on all of that wonderful nostalgia from Pinocchio, we've got a bit of Disney news for you. An actual, uh, actual little bit of Disney news this time around. JB, yeah, you want to so lead the, us off? Yeah, the first one is that um, more delays coming. I'm assuming a lot of it is because of the SAG strikes, etc. But um, yeah, so they've delayed three series. One of which is uh, X Men 1997. Uh, did I also see the Echo Echo show? It got delayed Echo. as well. It was Echo supposed to come out during. Back. Yeah, that was supposed to come out the end of this this year. Um, uh, a spinoff of Hawkeye. Um, but now we're all the big one that we've been just. It's just been floating there, not knowing exactly when it was to come out. The date kept on like being ambiguous, and we finally got that. So. Agatha, the spinoff from uh, the Wanda series, uh, WandaVision, the one we've been waiting for. We were so excited we were getting her to her own series. That's getting pushed back another year to uh, fall of 2024. Eddie, are you heartbroken that we don't get it was Agatha all along? We, we, we have to wait a little bit longer. Um, so I love Catherine Vaughn. I think she is a fantastic 100%. actress. And just funny in everything that she's ever touched. And so I'm I'm excited for it for that fact. That being said, you know, it's not like Marvel is is doing fantastic here in these shows. And I think this is a is a I think this is a combination of things. Uh one, yeah, we've got the writer strike and the the S uh, the SAG strike going on. So they I don't think this is fully written. I don't think, you know, uh, they were still just in pre-production, right? On that show. Yeah. Um, uh, so that that kind of makes sense that that gets pushed back. I think it's interesting that Echo gets pushed back because yeah. it sounds like that's all like pretty much prepped and ready to go. That's probably a, a sign of like, okay, there's too much Disney plus Marvel content yeah. being pushed out. Plus, we don't have anything coming down the pipeline, so let's just start this spreading out process now. Let's just kind of spread this out a little bit. Because probably next so with that, next next spring, we're going to have a giant open spot where hold. there no movies are ready to be yeah. released. Right. Which, I mean, you're saying that's why they've pushed, uh, Warner Brothers pushed um, uh, Dune, Dune 2 back, right? Yeah. Because they're... They got to start spreading these films out and they already made enough money this year. So, um, yeah, I think that's interesting. So what our our last Marvel show for the year is Loki. Loki. That's it. Because even what if the uh, the animated series got pushed back as well into 2024. That's right. That's the fourth the fourth show that all got pushed out, which is fun. I've got to say, like, that's the unsung hero of all of the Marvel shows is the What If uh, anthology series. Have you watched any of those? I have. I just didn't know how much of it was going to be canon and then come to find out more of it was canon than actually you thought was going to be happening. Uh, and it actually pulled up yeah, especially some of that Strange. in Multiver of Mad- Madness. So uh, it was a little shocked yeah. when that was in there. I was like, oh, if you had no context, I, it wasn't like crucial to know. But I don't sometimes some of that stuff is like, ooh, yay, play with it and just go wherever you want to. But then sometimes like, why am I watching this if it doesn't connect? Um, and it did. So maybe I need to go back and rewatch it again. There we go. Uh, as you mentioned before, I look for every opportunity to to shoehorn in some news about the parks and things that are going on there. Uh, but as of now, we've got some. Uh, some previews a new attraction is about to open the first attraction based upon Moana which I love I think Moana is is a is a great film Uh, the first attraction but it is a walkthrough attraction it is not like a full ride like uh, you know dark ride or anything like that Um, but it is a the journey of of water I'm getting this name right. The Journey of Water. Um, you, you seem so inspired by so, Moana. <laughs> you seem so like confident. It's a weird the journey name. Of water. Well, it was a weird name. The journey. It's the the Journey of Water inspired by Moana or something like that. It's obvious that they were working on a 
just a water experience thing because this is Epcot. Epcot traditionally has not been like heavy on IP. Um, it's kind of had more of a even edutainment type of bent to it. And so it's obvious that they were kind of like going that route of just like, what is the water cycle? Like cool things you can interact with water and do all these different things. And somebody's like, hey, uh, we have really, you know, let's shoehorn our IP and everything. Yeah. And so they they put Moana over it. But with that, there's like some really cool structures and different things like that, the Tefiti and everything in there. I just thought it was worthy. Uh, hop on Instagram, look at Disney parks and you can kind of see some cool photos of this new attraction that um, everybody's probably going to forget the the name of, but we're just going to call it the, the Moana water thing. Before we go, Eddie, I hope you and the family have a good week. I hope so too. Um, I know uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a, a crazy story about our daughter, Eileen. And, uh, you know, we had another great one this morning. We come home from church and we said, uh, hey, Eileen, do you need to go pee in the potty? And she goes, no, it's OK. I went I went pee on the floor at church. <laughs> So unbeknownst to us, somewhere in our little church, <laughs> you our don't daughter know? just, we don't know. We don't know. You don't, you didn't like go back and like try to tell us. Oh, yes. This is so good. So like <laughs> tonight, like when we went back, it was just like we had so many other things going on. So like tomorrow I'm going to have the light. But I mean, it's going to be like all dried up or whatever. I don't know. But she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I just I had to go. So I, I went and we're like, tell us. Tell uh, like you were with us the whole time. Uh, so, yes, hopefully we have a better week than that. And with that, you you've got your weekly dose of Disney nostalgia. Be sure to subscribe to Honey. We made a Disney podcast wherever you listen to your other favorite podcast and give us a look on YouTube as well. While you're there, please like or leave a five star review and sh- please share this with your best friend who also might be a Disney adult like us two people. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com where you can see all of our nostalgic reviews of Disney movies. Tune in next week as we review Fantasia. Thank you for listening. And remember, when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. <laughs>